It's a phrase we all know, but its meaning is something we all search for. So we search. And every day we're bombarded with portraits of lesser identities that skew the depths of who we really are. Good times that last but only a moment and religious cliches that leave us unchanged and wanting. Do we have to settle for what this world has to offer? Or could there be something more compelling that leads us to the good life? Good morning, good morning. Welcome everyone in the venue here in the auditorium and those watching online. My name's Adrian. Great to be with you today. Thanks to Brian and the uh, community outreach team that we have here for that wonderful update on our partnership with Magange. I, part of what I love about that is uh, you see there an old-fashioned church. Old-fashioned churches where both community centers and churches at the same time. The center of a healthy community well, was a church, and that's an old-fashioned church that you saw there that serves throughout the week food and medical care and spiritual development and then worship services on the weekend, and uh, you're involved with something really, really important in the name of Jesus there in Columbia and Magange. Thanks for your, your work and your partnership in that. I want to take just a moment here, though, this morning and pray with you for our nation. This was obviously a tumultuous week for our entire nation and uh, we just want to pause and give thanks to our great God that he continues to reign and uh, praise him for who he is and also pray for a measure of healing to begin in our nation and, uh, and, and pray most of all, more than anything, that we would be the representatives of Christ that Jesus wants us to be in our neighborhoods, in our families, wherever he calls us. And really, no matter who's uh, president in the United States, our marching orders are basically the same, isn't that right? But really, ours is the same. It's to live out the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And I was uh, doing my Bible reading plan. Perhaps you've been continuing to do that though, this year as we we're in a churchwide Bible reading plan. And last week uh, included the letter of 2 Timothy. And I, I just was struck again by a passage that I'd memorized a number of years ago, uh, 2 Timothy 2 verses 23 and 24, and I'd like to just read these two verses to you, and then uh, we'll pray together for our nation. It says this, and I just say this to myself, it says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Adrian, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. That's so good. And the Lord's servant, that's us, all of us, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that you reign over heaven and earth. You reign over every nation, including ours. We thank you that you remain on the throne and we trust ourselves to you. And Father, we want to be involved with your great work in this world. And so we'd ask, God, that you would help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. 
And we pray, God, that you would grow us, perhaps even in these two beautiful verses from the Apostle Paul to each of us today, that we would be gentle, kind, not quarrelsome, able to teach, able to instruct those with whom we differ, not resentful. Father, we pray for a time of healing in our nation and even in our community. It's possible even here this morning amongst those who are watching online or those in our fellowship here today that we'd have to admit that we haven't lived out the way of Christ as well as we could. To the extent that's true of me, I repent. Father, help us to take responsibility for what we are responsible for, which is our witness. To be instruments of love to those around us, to be instruments of integrity and peace to those around us. We amongst the body of Christ need to go through a season of supporting each other and seeking peace with one another. Would you help us to do that? to trust you more, to trust rulers less, to look to Christ in all things. Lord Jesus, we want to do your will in all things. And we know that you tell us, Lord Jesus, that the world will know that we are your disciples through these two indicators. It's based on the way we live, the character, the fruit of our lives, whether we are a people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's the way we live, and it's the way we love. It's those two things. So Father, would you please help us to be difference makers even this week in the ways we live and the ways we love. We will give you all the credit and all the glory We thank you that you remain on the throne. We pray for your will to be done in our nation now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, we are in this series, this seven-week series, and it's hard to just launch back into preaching another message after this last week. I got to tell you, (laughs) Uh, but I'm going to do my best. And I ask for your help. I ask for your, your prayers this morning. As I think what we're going to talk about is really, really important for us as followers of Christ, regardless of where you are emotionally right now. And we're in this Good, Look, Good Life series in which we're talking about seven ways that oftentimes the world and sadly the church has given us less than compelling portraits of what real life really is. And so week one and week two of this series, we talked about a more compelling identity, that we are to have our identity in Jesus Christ, and he is our solid foundation, and we are children of God, and ultimately we'll be victors with Christ. And then week two, we talked about a more compelling affection, that we need to be seized once again by the power of a greater affection, the affection of Christ, and living through the affection of Christ, and and prioritizing the things that he prioritizes and uh, that there's a, a key component that God tunes into our hearts. He cares about our hearts, and he wants us to be motivated for, for the right things. And this week, um, I want to give you a portrait of the good life that I believe is more compelling than a bumper sticker. And so I want to suggest here as we begin, here, here's a, 
here's a few just lighthearted top 10 bumper stickers. And if any of these are on the back of your car, I apologize in advance. But here's top 10 bumper stickers that I've seen many times over the years. And just a lighthearted way to start the message here today. One is this, in case of rapture, this car will be unattended. You seen that one? Okay, there's number 10. Number nine is faith over fear. Okay, I want that. I want some faith over fear. That's a bumper sticker, a t-shirt that we see a lot these days. Uh, Number eight, one that we see a fair number of times, and especially in certain areas of our country, is coexist. Coexist. We see this many different places on bumper stickers. Um, Number seven, don't worry, be happy. Yes, please. I'd like to be happy today. Number six, uh, a fish on the back of a car. We've all seen this many times, haven't we? You've seen this in the back of cars? Okay, how about number five? A fish that's turned into a reptile on the back of a car. Have you seen that? Okay, and then number four, you have a fish that's turned into a reptile on the back of the car being eaten by another fish called truth on the back of a car. Which, that says some funny things about your theology if you have that in the back of your car. It's like... Okay, you run into Darwinists, you're going to eat them. Okay, dangerous here. All right, number three here, uh, go green, go vegan. We don't see a lot of those in Nebraska. No, we don't. Okay, number two on the back of the car we see frequently, no Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace. And I think we might have one other one, 26.2, you saw that. And then do we have one, the good life? No, we don't have the good life. Okay, all right. That's the best one. It's not even the top 10. It's better than that. The good life, Nebraska, the good life, right? And we see uh, those from time to time on T-shirts and on the back of cars, bumper stickers, the good life. And there's a lot of good life to be had in Nebraska, isn't there? Grateful to live in this wonderful state and um, so thankful uh, for this place now. But the good life has to be more than a bumper sticker, Bumper stickers are powerful because they're kind of like tweets. They're really pithy, and they're memorable, and they purport to contain someone's philosophy of life in a really simple form. But there's a danger to bumper stickers in that they tend to take really complex issues and turn them into really simplistic answers, really complex questions with really simplistic answers. For example, I'll come up on the back of someone's car sometimes and I see a bumper sticker that says, don't worry, be happy. To which I'm like, I'd really like that. I'd really like to, don't worry, be happy. And in fact, I've tried that. And it hasn't worked for me. So thank you for that extra heap of shame that I now feel. Right? Like if you've ever struggled with generalized anxiety... Or if you're married to someone who struggled with generalized anxiety, or you have someone in your family who has struggled with that, you know that a simple platitude, don't worry, be happy, won't be enough, right? So it takes these really complex issues and turns them into simple solutions, and the result frequently for the hearer is shame. Life is way more complex than that. What we need today is not simplistic answers to complex problems, nor do we need slogans for just getting by in life. 
What we need is a thicker, more substantial spiritual life for the thick challenges that we face in our world today. Amen? We need a thicker spiritual life. So with that, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 8. We're going to look at a short parable of Jesus, Luke chapter 8. And it's a parable that we see from Jesus three different times in the Gospels. You find it in Matthew, you find it in Mark, you find it in Luke. And it's called the parable of the sower or the parable of the seeds, the parable of the soils, depending on who's describing it, okay? It's found in all three of these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, if you're not there yet in your Bible, that's fine. Take your time. You can use the table of contents as well. Over in the New Testament, Matthew, then Mark, and then turn to the right, Luke. If you get to John, just go back to the left. And we're going to look at this teaching of Jesus. Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 4. Here we go. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, life's riches and pleasures, and they don't mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a great crop. Let me summarize this beautiful parable really quickly. Jesus spoke frequently in parables, which are earthly stories that convey heavenly realities. So he's given an earthly story that we all can relate to, a sower with seed and various kinds of soil, to convey heavenly realities that we need to apprehend this morning, that we need to comprehend this morning. You have five different characters in this story. And Jesus tells the story before what is described as a large crowd. In all likelihood, he's on a hill outside of the Sea of Galilee. And there's these great hills outside the Sea of Galilee in Israel. If you ever have an opportunity to go there, beautiful place. And the acoustics of it were this. Jesus and other rabbis would go to the top of the hill and huge crowds would follow Jesus. And because he's at the top of the hill, he could speak down to everyone below him. And you have perhaps hundreds, even thousands of people. This would be a wide swath of society. It would include the young and the old, Gentiles and Jews, the educated and laborers, liberals and conservatives. And they all followed him. And the gospel has a way of cutting through all of that. 
And he says to this very large crowd, there's five different characters here. The first one is the sower or the farmer. And the farmer here is representing God. And God is sowing his seed, which is his word. It's the scriptures. The scriptures, his word. His incarnate word, Jesus Christ. And then his word in the scriptures, sowed to all of us. And then there's four different kinds of hearers represented by four different kinds of soils. There's one that's really, really hard. It's hard as a rock, and the seed can't go into it. And that's people that you and I have met. Sometimes they're in the church, but more frequently though, they're in the world, and they hear the scriptures, but they don't want nothing to do with it because their hearts are hard. They want to go on doing their own thing, and they don't even give it a notice. There's another group of people that hear the word, and they're very receptive And they say, ooh, I want that. And they have a good and noble heart. And they want more of the word. And the word um, nourishes their soul. And the result of the nourishment, they grow. And they produce this wonderful crop a hundredfold times what was sown into them. They, They hear it and they receive it and they want it. And they have eyes to see and ears to hear the word of God. And then there's this third group that's hearing it, but then they're choked out by the thorns of life, the different concerns of life. And the ones that he notes here are money and possessions, the choke out the word from growing and producing the fruit that we would want. But other concerns of life could also choke out the word from producing God's intention in our lives. It could be status or human applause or secondary identities that we talked about a couple weeks ago, any of those different things can choke out what God wants done in our lives. The fourth group is the one that we really want to focus on here, though, this morning, and this is the one that hears it, and they react with joy for a moment. But they're surrounded by rocks, and so the seed goes down, and it creates just a really, really thin root. And then once the cares of life come in, Once the pains of life, once suffering comes in, they don't have enough root to sustain themselves. They don't have an abundant root. Their faith was rootless. It was paper thin. And so as a result, the little plant that began to grow swept away. And this is what a bumper sticker philosophy of life is. It's thin and it's rootless. And friends, the problem with bumper sticker philosophies or bumper sticker faith is that it's paper thin. The problem with bumper sticker faith like this, honk if you love Jesus, no Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace, it's just paper thin. And because it's paper thin, it's not sustained when the tests of life come. Look again at verse six. It says, some seed fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Now who are these people? These are people who hear the beautiful, brilliant message of Christ and again, they like it, they're interested in it, but the cares of the world get in the way and when suffering comes to to their lives, the root hasn't gone deep enough and so they get scared or they move away from it. Maybe they went to a rally and they heard the rapture is coming, and so they were scared into belief, but they really didn't count the cost. They really didn't count the cost of what it means to actually repent, 
what it means to actually obey Christ as Lord and the reality that suffering is coming to all of us. And so when the storm came, they were just brushed aside. Back when I was in seminary, probably 15, 16 years ago, an old college acquaintance got in touch with me because he'd heard that I'd become a pastor. So he had some questions about faith, and he asked if I would meet with him because his place of business was only about a mile or two from the seminary that I attended. So I said, absolutely, I'd love to talk with you about your questions about faith. I had no idea that you had any interest in that at all. So he said, could you come to my place of business, but before it opens up? I said, sure. Uh, tell me where it is. And he tells me it's a liquor store. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to go to his place of business, but before it opens up, because I'm going to meet people where they live. I met him where he lived on two or three different occasions, and we talked about his questions. And eventually he got to the real question, which was this. Um, I was a Christian when I was a kid, and I'm marrying a girl who became a Christian when she was a teenager in middle school, and uh, we want to know if God would bless our marriage. And I knew this guy wasn't following Christ, and I went on to ask him about his fiance's relationship with God and her spiritual habits and uh, her prayer life and her devotional habits and her church attendance. And he explained to me, well, she used to do those things, but then she went through some family trauma and she felt like God wasn't there for her in the family trauma, and so she doesn't do any of those things anymore. And then his tagline at the end of this was, but you know how they say, Adrian, once saved, always saved, right? So we don't want anything to do with this, except for this little bumper sticker of, I got saved once when I threw a stick in the fire at a middle, middle school retreat, and now I'm going to go on living the way I want to live because I didn't think God was there for me when I went through a time of suffering. You know these stories. I know you do. You know these people. Look at verse 13. It's speaking to these people. Those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, when they hear it, but they got no root. They believe for a little while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. I just gotta tell you as a pastor today, I am frightened by the number of people I meet, interact with, that have a paper thin faith. I'm frightened by the fact that I meet with many, many people that are like one unanswered prayer away from throwing away their faith. I'm frightened by the number of people though that I meet with that aren't really sure about any of the even kind of simple statements, basic Christian statements of what we believe and yet call themselves Christians. Now in some cases, I'm not sure if people who have defected from the faith, and there have been a lot of really well-known examples here in 2020 of well-known Christian authors and, and leaders who have defected from their faith, and I'm not sure if these are people who never actually repented and trusted in Christ as Lord, as King, 
as the one that they would follow, not just as Savior who forgives them and makes them right with God. I'm not really sure. I don't know theologically what was going on in them. But I do know this, a bumper sticker philosophy of once saved, always saved, and now I got my fire insurance, won't do it. Because we are facing today trials, we all are, that are too thick to be supported by paper-thin faith. So I'd like to suggest here today, the bottom line for today's message is this, the desperate need of the church today is spiritual depth. The number one thing in our five-year vision, our strategic plan from here to there, is from spiritual busyness to spiritual depth. Thank you. To spiritual depth. This is the crying need. This is the desperate need. This is the longing from God for the church today. It's spiritual depth. We need to build up the good soil of proper identity and the good soil of growing intimacy with God and the good soil of a handful of really close friendships with whom we can do life, with whom we are marching in the same direction toward Jesus together, which will sustain us amidst the trials of life. We become the good soil that the seed of God's word sinks into us, and then we begin to produce fruit which is able to sustain us through life's challenges as we go through them right now and as we will go through them in the future. It is spiritual depth that enables you to be strong in the storms of life. It's spiritual depth that enables you to be like this picture up on the screen right now. Take a look at this tree on the screen. Is that phenomenal or what? I'm not positive what kind of tree it is, I think it's either a white oak, maybe in the area of the Gulf of Mexico and Florida or Alabama region, or it could be a Douglas fir up on the Oregon coast. You see some of these trees in both of those areas that amazingly, when they were little saplings, they had good conditions in the soil that they were in. They were volunteers, and amazingly, the seed planted itself beneath the level of the sand and into better soil, and it rooted itself so deeply that over time, eventually, when a violent storm came in, maybe you can imagine a hurricane coming in, a violent storm off the west coast comes in, and it takes away all the sand underneath the trunk, and it was so powerful that it removed sand from underneath the trunk, but because that tree's roots were so deep, it still stood tall. What an allegory. What a parable for the spiritual life. This is what we need. Spiritual roots that grow so deep that they are sustained. This is what verse 15 in our passage instructs us toward. This is the good soil, verse 15. The seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and they retain it. It sinks into them. And by persevering, they produce a good crop. They know the violent storms of life are coming, but they persevere and therefore they produce a good crop. Why? Because they've been meditating on the word of God. They have a robust faith because they've been wrestling with God in prayer. 
They enjoy the good spiritual life because they do have a couple friends who are moving in the same direction toward Christ as them. They have a robust spiritual life because they're obeying Jesus in everything. They're loving those who love them and they're loving those who don't like them. They have a robust spiritual life because they care for the poor. They have a robust spiritual life because they reach out and disciple others. They're seeking to share the good news of Jesus with others. They have a robust, good life kind of spirituality because they're living out the gospel at all times. And they're meditating. They're like the people of Psalm 1. They meditate on the word day and night so they'd be careful to do everything that the word of God tells us to do. And then they're like trees planted by streams of living water which bear its fruit in due season whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he, whatever she does prospers. It's that kind of person that God invites us to be. That kind of oak tree, that kind of Douglas fir that God invites us to be. Let me give you an example of how spiritual depth makes a difference in this world here and now in terms of our lifestyle compared to paper-thin spirituality. There have been a number of different uh, social science studies that have been done over the past 10 years on domestic violence rates in America. And if you've been the, the, the victim of domestic violence, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. And we in no way make light of it. And if you've done domestic violence that's a big deal, but there could be forgiveness from that. Jesus would forgive even that. But listen to these studies here. Repeatedly, they have teased out the following. Nominal Protestant men, that is Protestant men who are Christians in name only. They go to church on Christmas and Easter only. They don't really read their Bibles. They don't really pray. They're not really invested in the spiritual life. Those kinds of nominal Protestant men who call themselves Christian but don't have any investment in their spiritual lives actually have the highest rates of domestic violence of any group in America. The highest rates of domestic violence of any group in America. Higher than atheists, higher than Muslims, higher than Jews, higher than Roman Catholics. Conversely, as you tease out those same studies, you learn that committed Protestant men those who pray regularly, who attend church weekly, who have markers of being serious about Christ, have the lowest rates of domestic violence of any group in America. Now what's that saying? It's saying that if you take it seriously, it makes a difference. If you treat it like a bumper sticker, it does nothing. Sociologist Christopher Ellison found Men who attend religious services twice a week, for example, they're in a life group and a church service, are 72% less likely to abuse their female partners than men from comparable backgrounds who do not attend services. Indeed, in his book, Soft Patriarchs, New Men, How Christianity Shapes Fathers and Husbands, Dr. Brad Wilcox found that women married to church-going evangelical men compared to women married to men in other major religious traditions or women married to unaffiliated men report the highest levels of happiness of any women in America. To which all the women say, amen. Okay, the point is, again, paper-thin spirituality does nothing. In fact, sometimes... Worse than nothing. But thick 
robust Christian spirituality is a difference maker in our homes, as fathers, as husbands, as mothers, as friends, as wives. It makes a difference. Like, have you ever been changed by a bumper sticker? Come on. Have you ever, like, driven up behind someone on 2nd Avenue? You come up on a stoplight and you say, all right, thank you. You just changed my world. By that bumper sticker, you just changed my world. I have never been changed by a bumper sticker, and I come from the land of bumper stickers. Okay, Boulder County must have more bumper stickers than any county in America. Okay, I come from that. I've never been changed by a bumper They're not compelling. But here's what's compelling. Here's what's changed me. Men in this room who are men of integrity, of confidence, of humility, of consistency, of deep spirituality. There's men in this room that I'm looking at right now who have changed me because of the consistency of their spiritual lives. Christianity with no roots simply won't cut it in 2020. Spiritual depth is the desperate need of the church and of the world today. So here's the practice that I want you to consider over these next couple months. Each week in this series, we've been offering one practice to consider over the course of the next week. And I've heard from many of you that you've been doing that. You woke up this morning and you worshiped God through song for five or six minutes, but before you did anything else. That perhaps last week you told your spouse something you loved about them every day. You told God something you loved about them every day. Some kind of practice like that, or practice like we did the week before, memorizing scripture related to identity, meditating on certain scriptures related to identity. Each of the different um, practices, though, that we've been looking at have been uh, with an expiration date of one week, and you can continue to do it later on and more often in the future if you'd like. This one is looking out a little bit further into the future, and it's this. I want to encourage you to intentionally deepen your beliefs in core Christian truth. We need to get deeper. And part of the way you get deeper is by intentionally strengthening your beliefs in core Christian truth. Now you can do that individually with your own books or podcasts or studies, but I think even better than that is to be partnered up with someone who would intentionally disciple you one-on-one for a period of time. When I look over my Christian life, I look back often to the time that I was 18 to 25 And I had two different men come into my life who were both far more mature than I was in my faith. And for a season of time, each of them discipled me. Maybe for 10 or 15 minutes, they intentionally poured into me about basic Christian doctrine, basic Christian truth, and how I would live that out on a week-in and week-out basis. And that made a huge difference in the man that I've become. And I have a long, long way to go. Lord knows I have a long way to go. I have not arrived. But it made a huge difference getting that over the course of a few years. And I realize, as I've been a pastor now for 15 years, that there are many men and women who have never had someone like that in their life. Who's taking the time to meet one-on-one with someone and teach them some of the core truths of the Christian life. And so what I want to invite you to this week is to consider, over these next couple months, would you be willing to meet, maybe you're a couple here today and you'd like to meet with another couple, for seven weeks 
Maybe you're an individual here and you'd like to meet with another individual who's a little further along in their faith for seven weeks. Last week, I approached a number of leaders in our church and 40 different leaders in our church said they'd be happy to disciple anyone in our church over the course of a seven-week, very, very brief study through this book that we've been using amongst our pastoral staff called Growing in Christ. And it's super thin. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, that's part of the reason we, we chose it. It's super thin and yet it gets us deeper into our robust and beautiful Christian faith. And if you've never had someone to personally disciple you, and you'd like to be a part of this, that someone would meet with you, you take this 13-week study and actually meet just for seven weeks, two of these per week, for seven weeks, perhaps over the next three or four months, and you would like that, such that you would actually grow a little bit deeper into core Christian beliefs, and therefore be able to sustain yourself a bit more in the trials that we are enduring today, would you let us know that today? And it might be that today God is knocking and saying, today is the day to take it more seriously than I have taken it, that I'm kind of like the soil that is surrounded by rocks, And my soil probably won't be strong enough to sustain me when something really, really bad happens. That maybe I'm one of those people that's just a few unanswered prayers away from throwing it in the towel. And if if you're in that spot that you're ready to grow a little bit more, would you just let us know that by using this connection card? We have a bunch of them here up on the stage. There's some on the stage in the venue. You can let us know this online. There's an online format for you to do that at carneyefree.com right now if you're watching online. There's also these cards back at the boxes. But you fill this out, and you just let us know, I'd like to be discipled by someone for seven weeks. You give us your contact information, and we'll do all the legwork to make it happen for you. Like, is it true that God is still the sower? Somebody tell me. Is it true that God is still the sower? And he's still giving out his seed. He's still giving out his word. And is it true that whatever kind of soil you are today, you actually could be changed? Like, it's possible that right now you're on rocky soil. It's possible that right now you have a hardened heart. You've never been open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you would say, I want to know more about what the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches. Today might be the day that you'd say, yeah, please somebody, please somebody teach me what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Or it might be that you've been choked out by the concerns of this world. There's so many concerns in this world and they're choking you out. And you've lost your spiritual depth. Today might be the day that you would say, I'm taking an intentional step toward the sower. An intentional step to root out the rocks. To till away the thorns. To ask God to grow me spiritually a little bit more. And we'll do all the legwork to help that happen for you. Let me wrap up with this last verse. I could have chosen a hundred verses this morning because there is so much in the scriptures related to spiritual depth over spiritual superficiality. But this one says it so beautifully from the Apostle Paul in Colossians 2. He says this, just as you received, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Let's read this out loud together. Would you join me please? Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, 
Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Amen. Father, that's what we want. That's what we desperately want. That's what we need individually. That's what our families need. That's what our church needs. That's what the world needs. The disciples would not just believe, but we would continue in you. We would be rooted and established in your love, rooted and established in your word, strengthened in the faith that we were taught, and as a result of it all, we would overflow in thankfulness. Oh, Father, each of us wants in this room to be the kind of good soil that is found in you, and we need some help. We need to make some decisions. And so I pray for anyone in this room right now that's thinking about, do I need to make this decision to root myself a little bit more in the good soil of Jesus Christ, to learn a little bit more deeply the truths of Christianity and apply them to my life more thoroughly? And if that's you, I pray that you just have the courage to let us know that on one of these connection cards today. God, we love you. We thank you that you're never done with us. You never quit on us. Receive us as we are and grow us in Jesus, we ask in his mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you can uh, come up to the front of the stage and you can fill one of these out right now as we're worshiping. If you'd like, just leave it up here. You can do it in the back by the box or the information table. I'm going to trust we're going to have more than enough disciplers for as many people as would like to take advantage of this opportunity starting here this week.